Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the History Hit World Wars podcast. I'm your host, James Rogers, and if it's your first time here, we are dedicated to that turbulent period in history between 1914 and 1945. In this episode, we're slap bang in the middle of the Second World War. We are talking about the Great Escape, that famous mass escape of British Allied and Commonwealth prisoners from Stalag Luft III POW camp in Poland. This story is, of course, famous. It's gone down in history as a daring and heroic act of defiance. But we have a little bit of controversy on the World Wars today, as our guest is Guy Walters, the journalist, writer and broadcaster, and author of six books about the Second World War and the Nazi period. One of them is called The Real Great Escape, where he suggests that the Great Escape may not have been as great as the name suggests. In fact, it may actually have helped the German war effort. I'm glad it's Guy saying this, and not me. I'll leave it for you to judge. If you want to know more about prisoners of war during the Second World War, then head over to historyhit.tv, where you can watch the latest episode of my series on World War II prisoners of war. But here, now, is Guy Walters on a very different history of the Great Escape. Share with the world, what is the subject of your talks in London in the next few months? Well, the subject of my talks is going to be what I think of The Great Escape. It's somewhat cheekily titled The Not-So-Great Escape, The Real Story of The Great Escape, which is based on a book I wrote a couple of years ago in which I take a very sober, cool appraisal of the event. You know, as you know, it's the 75th anniversary, so I thought now might be quite a good time. And actually, it's cheekily in response to the event that you're co-hosting as well. So I thought, you know, it's good for historical balance to have both points of view. And what is your point of view about The Great Escape? My point of view of The Great Escape is that actually it was a failure. And although I'm not in any way impugning the bravery of those on it and the enormous sacrifice those 50 men made who were murdered by the Gestapo, uh, you have to look at The Great Escape as a tactical and strategic operation and really ask uh, some big questions about why it was done. And I think the, the one reason for the escape that people always put to me is that it was going to open up a new front with inside Germany. And even if, of course, the escapers knew they weren't going to get home, because let's not forget, Silesia is a long way from the United Kingdom. 
it at least would, you know, stymie the German war effort in some way. Now, my argument is, in fact, that the Great Escape and other Great Escapes, because, again, it wasn't unique, uh, actually helped the German war effort. How did it help the German war effort? Well, the reason why I helped the German war effort is because people like to think that valuable German troops were used up in the hunt for the escapers. In fact, the only people who were used to hunt the escapers were reserve troops who were already back in the Third Reich, or forestry workers, or policemen, or existing men who, who were already around. But the big problem about it was, is that when you have a great escape, what the Germans did is that they organized a huge, what they called, hue and cry, a Grußfandung, as it was called. And the British had mounted from another camp a great escape, a similar great escape, in which 43 men had got out. And in the ensuing in heightened security situation, the Germans arrested 14,000 other escapers. Now, these were not only escapers from POW camps, but they were slave labourers trying to make their way back to the occupied countries and indeed ordinary criminals on the run from prisons. And so in that way, by mounting a great escape and then by giving the Germans uh, a reason to put on an enhanced security network, you're actually queering the pitch for all the other escapers going around the Third Reich. And the British knew this. And actually, they were even warned by the Germans, their actual guards at Stalagloff III, who said, listen, we know you're up to something big. You know, it's going to backfire horribly on you because actually it's going to make it harder to get men away. And in fact, you're not going to, you know, tie up the war effort. All you're going to do is just make life harder for everybody else. And yet the British still persisted. There was even one of the officers at Stalagloff III, a German officer, who warned the British escapers, listen, I know you're doing something wrong, you're doing something big, but it's going to backfire. And he actually said to them, do it in twos and threes, and then you're not going to piss everybody off, and you're not going to result in this enhanced security situation. So talk to me more about the scale of the Great Escape and, and how the Germans reacted to it. Was it, was it a, a huge deal? It was a huge deal, but there have been numerous other great escapes throughout the war from various other camps. And in fact, the uh, the crown uh, for, for the greatest sort of escape by the Allies actually goes to the French, who got over 100 out in one great escape. So no, I mean, it wasn't an unusual thing having these mass breakouts. It did happen at a time of the war when Hitler was feeling especially paranoid. Just the weekend before the great escape, around 30 SS police troops had been blown up by a bomb in, in Rome, and Hitler had organised huge reprisals against that, which resulted in the Ardiatine Caves massacre, in which over 330 uh, poor Italians were murdered in caves in Rome. Um, so he's feeling pretty vengeful at the time. And the British had been warned, indeed all allies had been warned, that being shot was a highly likely outcome of escaping. Uh, now, of course, you don't just not mount escapes because your enemy is telling you not to. But you have to remember that downed airmen, and we're only talking about downed airmen at Stalagloff III, were some of the best informed prisoners in the whole of the Third Reich. Because you could be you know, sitting in a pub in Surrey one night, going out on a mission the following day, getting shot down, and by the following evening, you're suddenly in a POW camp. So, of course, you're full of information about what's going on in the war. And in March 1944, everyone knows which way uh, the tide has indeed turned. So a lot of people uh, did not want to escape. And that's another one of the themes of my talk is that two thirds of POWs at Stalag Luft III had no wish to escape. Uh, we tend to think, thanks to movies, 
that, you know, these camps are full of escape-hungry, heroic young men. And in fact, two-thirds of them had no wish to do so. They'd rather study for an accountancy exam, learn a language. You know, they knew which way the war was going, and they were worried about their lives afterwards. And they regarded it as both dangerous and a waste of time. And you do hear in other camps, British POWs actually hampering the escape attempts made by their fellow POWs because they're worried it was going to give them a hard time. Now, although I, of course, would regard that as being reprehensible, it, it does show that there was not this sort of wide-scale agreement that escaping was a great thing. So you have to remember that two-thirds of the escapers had no desire to escape, uh, and they regarded the other third, those who did wish to escape, uh, as what one interviewer said were the tally-ho brigade. Now, that word probably doesn't mean quite so much to younger generations, but what he meant was what our generation would call the kind of rugger buggers, the alpha males, the type of hearty Sloan Ranger types. And, uh, and so they sort of saw it as a kind of activity that was done by that type of man. And I think history should record the other two thirds who were, you know, probably not the stuff of heroes, but let's face it, they'd still done their bit. They'd still been, you know, flying over enemy territory. They'd been shot down. You know, these were brave guys as well, but they didn't see it as their role to escape. And that's another important fact. There's another thing that's always put to me, ah, but they had a duty to escape. Now, I'm afraid that's absolute rot. Uh, Not one POW had a duty to escape. He only had a duty to evade capture. And if indeed he was captured, you know, his only duty to escape was a kind of perhaps a corporate sense of loyalty to maybe have a go. But actually, most people realized it was helpless. It was highly dangerous. And you were very unlikely to get home. And in fact, you know, having been shot down once, uh, they never wanted to be shot down again. That's reasonable. I've never been in an air crash. I don't know anybody who has been in an air crash. But you've got to remember that everybody in that camp had been in an air crash. What, what was the, How did that lead to tensions within the camp if sort of two thirds of the inmates didn't, didn't really, well, were sort of slightly unwilling to support their third that wanted to get out? Well, there were huge tensions. And of course, the, the dynamic, most charismatic figure who comes across in the story of The Great Escape is, of course, uh, squadron leader Roger Bushell, who's played by uh, Attenborough in, in, of course, the movie. But in that film, he's portrayed uh, very sympathetically. Yet actually, in real life, he divided opinion. He was regarded by the kind of two thirds of non-escapers as being very loyally. You know, and by that, I would assume to be quite argumentative, quite didactic, You know, he was a man who had been hardened by war and and embittered by it. You know, he he was a very much a sort of hearty chap, but he had been shot down on his first day of operations as a squadron leader and Spitfire pilot. And that was not the way he wanted his war to go. And so ever since May 1940, when he had been shot down, he had spent, you know, four years trying to escape made some you know very valiant attempts but had ultimately been unsuccessful and it's what that's one of the reasons why the great escape happened was because of his dynamism and his drive to do something that he felt was appropriate uh, frankly to his ego and so yes there was this sort of certainly a backlash against Roger Bushell and there were you know a lot of prisoners who who did say kind of look, leave it out guys it's just not worth doing although i'm aware it didn't happen at Stalag Luft 3 as I say, there were attempts made to hamper escape attempts 
Uh, in one instance, in another camp, a British POW is known to have thrown a tin over the barbed wire to the German compound with full information of all the British escape attempts going on. Other examples of sort of a kind of punishment beatings. I mean, did the British have to police their own their own inmates more than more than the, perhaps the historical record likes to remember? There are no there are no records of sort of. Of, of punishment beatings, but certainly uh, a lot of men had to change huts, which I think is probably the euphemism was considered that, you know, you weren't the right type or you were considered a bit suspicious. You know, don't get me wrong. I, I don't think there's anything right in, in blabbing <laughs> as a type of word I'd have used in an earlier life, perhaps, or, or, on your on your comrades when they're trying to escape. But I think that there was no doubt that there were, you know, a, a, a small minority who were trying to hamper things. And there were some who actually were in hock to the Germans. And that's another story. And it's a topic of my first ever novel, a bunch of men, British men who did actually join the SS. And there was a small British unit of the SS called the British Free Corps, which actually had an SS uniform with a Union Jack on it. And they were recruited from POW camps, and they did their best to go around camps, uh, drumming up support for the Nazi cause. Generally, the people who joined up were, were former fascists or people who simply wanted to have sex and eat steak. I mean, it was quite that, it was literally that basic. But at Stalaglov III, you, you find that even those not wanting to escape were happy to let those who were wanting to escape just simply get on with it. What, what other, since I've got you here, we've got the last couple of minutes, what, what, other big, what other big myths can you slay while you're here, Guy? What, what, what about the POW experience that, that might not be as we remember it? Well, I think you have to remember that the camps themselves were not particularly nice places. In the movie, it's all filmed in glorious technicolour and it's filmed in sort of spring and summer. What you have to remember about The Great Escape is that it took place in, in the snow. It was very cold. All the prisoners were wearing kind of lightweight disguises, lightweight uniforms and, and khaki trousers. So they were hopelessly ill-prepared. Of course, they had no choice. And I think that the prison camps themselves were not nice places. We tend to think of them as kind of minor public schools thrown out into the middle of Silesia. But in fact, there were very tough places. Calorific intake was minimal. And, uh, you know, pe people rubbed up the wrong way as well you, well you might. You know, let's not forget a POW camp is a prison camp. And of course, you have all the dynamics of the prison uh, within that environment. Um, and so you have, you know, people getting into scraps, you know, you have banter, you have also, and again, it's something I touch on in my book, you, you have frustrated homosexuality. And again, the, these are all sort of kind of themes that we don't really tend to think about because they feel quite negative and they don't quite tap into the, uh, the, the heroic story of the escape. But, but don't get me wrong, the escape was heroic. In my view, it was simply misguided. Well, Guy Walters, thank you very much indeed. What's the latest book? Well, this is the latest book. It's just been reprinted for the 75th anniversary, The Real Great Escape by Guy Walters. And uh, still a few tickets left for my talk on the 20th of March at the RAF Club, if they don't throw me out. <laughs> well, I'm not sure. Once they find out what it's about, buddy, they may well do that. Thank you very much for coming on the pod, Guy. Thanks a lot, then. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, 
Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. And before you go, remember, as a Warfare listener, you get a special discount at History Hit. Subscribers get access to blissfully, uninterrupted, ad-free podcasts and thousands of hours of history documentaries. You've got everything from the American Revolution to my own documentaries like Traces of War, Weapons of War and 24 Hours in Normandy, where I follow in the footsteps of the Green Howards on D-Day from their beach landings to being awarded the Victoria Cross and all the way through their first day where they made it seven miles inland further than any other British or American unit. So head over to historyhit.com forward slash subscribe or follow the link in the show notes and use the code WARFARE to get 50% off your next three months. That's the code WARFARE to get 50% off. And if you're an Apple listener, you can subscribe for new ad-free episodes within the app. So give it a go. I know you're gonna love it.